Join us as we open another file in the Markov dossier. File number Magna Notitia 3202101. File open. Sir Luton, and welcome to this episode of the Markov dossier, a dystopian age podcast. My name is Scott. And I'm here with Sam. Howdy, pilgrims. And tonight we're joined by a very special guest. Some say some are born to greatness. Some say others have greatness thrust upon them and rise to the challenge. Some cheat their way to greatness by simply writing it on a piece of paper and handing it out to people that says, I am great. While others may achieve greatness by being a central figure in an online community, helping others with rules and setting up tournaments. Our next guest has achieved one of these ways to greatness. And can I just say, Calvin, it's a lovely card stock on this business card that says I'm great. Is that vermilion? The, the trick <laughs> is to get it laminated. If I'm going to whip this out as often as I do, I need this thing to be laminated at high speed, ready to go. <laughs> I love how you just went with that. <laughs> it is, of course, Admiral of the Digital Seas, Commander-in-Chief, Discord, Calvin, welcome to the podcast, Calvin. How are you doing, mate? Over the moon and back again. It's always a pleasure to be on the Markov dossier. <laughs> oh, that's good. Great to have you. So, of course, the reason we've got you on here, as we uh, teased in our last episode, was you're running the Mavel Supremacy yet again next year for 2024, doing it all over again. And my first question is, after the stress of last time, are you mad? <laughs> you're doing it again. <laughs> They do not accuse me of being the stable admiral. I've, I've said that from day one. We are taking a bit more care this time. We will have a couple of extra war hosts knocking around to be tournament judges. And I'm looking forward to it. We It's not as shotgun sudden as it was last year. We've been planning this for a while. We've got six months to get there. And I'm, I'm excited for it. I've blocked out the days around that so we can have a nice relaxing run up to the tournament have the tournament happen and then i could just fall off the face of the map for the monday tuesday afterward (laughs) it is it has to be said when you were talking about last year it did seem like a huge amount of work for you but you clearly thoroughly enjoyed it and it was the excitement you felt for it was palpable, even through Discord, and I think it just became infectious, and it's so cool that you're doing this again. Okay, so let's get the deets while we're here. So let's do the when and where. When are we running it? I know I know you put the poster out, but just to confirm it, when are you doing this? We're running this May 25th and 26th, 2024. It's going to be at the Borders Inn and Suites in Columbus, Wisconsin. There's 25-some-odd Columbuses in the United States, so I wanted to kind of narrow that down ahead of time. When you posted it, I thought, I went, I thought Columbus was in Ohio. I must be wrong. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, it is in Ohio. Oh, God. <laughs> and I found it highly amusing that many of them were like literally a stone's throw from each other. They must have known the other state had built a Columbus and went, oh, no, we're having one ourselves, and it's going to be better. <laughs> <laughs> that. <laughs> it's a nice little small town. It's about 5,000 population. The event is taking place at a hotel, so if folk are needing to rack up on site, that's an option. Uh, it's 
very close to several major airports, and there is no shortage of food in staggering distance, which is very important for a tournament. Very important indeed. What is going to be the list sort of formation and the points limit you're going to go for for this tournament? Is going to be a 2,000-point tournament, four rounds over two days, compliant with Wisconsin League rules for modeling and painting, and Admiral's Tournament Guide from Official War Cradle. So fairly standard with the campaign pack that's been released previously, then. The major difference between Official Tournaments and Wisconsin Tournaments is that we use Wisconsin League standards for modeling and painting. It is a somewhat modified version. We require a three-color minimum for the boats, for any of the units. We're not wanting gray plastic at the World Tournament. Only War Cradle plastics are allowed. Spartan models are neat, but there is a fairly distinct size difference. The largest point where it differs is heavy gun batteries have to be accurately represented, but light weapon batteries are encouraged to be represented appropriately, but do not have to be, as long as it's clear on what they're supposed to be. This was a rule that got brought up because some of the first wave of the kits didn't have a light weapon battery as a swappable option. So instead of saying, hey, thanks for playing in the tournament, you have to buy multiple new kits to get these swapped out, they just need to be marked distinctly. You know, this squadron has light rail guns. This squadron has sonic mortars. And then the last consideration is that named and non-standard SRS must be easily identifiable and distinct from standard SRS. Nobody wants to be on the receiving end of an ace squadron just because they didn't realize that was a bigger issue. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, like the white doves and so on, like it needs to be clearly marked. This SRS is a white doves and this RS is a standard crown SRS token. Yep, makes perfect sense to me. Once we fill up the initial 20 people, any people who are also interested will be put onto the backup list. If a primary player has to bow out, we'll scramble one of the backups and put them in instead. Backup players are only charged $20 if they're utilized, so if you want to be a plan B, shoot me a message, we'll get you on the list, and you're only charged $20 opposed to the normal 50 for a primary player. So, we've got the list of the points. So, how is the event going to go down? So, how many matches in a day are we looking at? And scenarios you're thinking of? As of present, we are keeping the scenario secret for a bit longer. We are talking to the players to see what kind of events they want to play in. We've got a couple ideas on the shortlist, but we want to see where the general consensus is. This is a tournament for the players, and I want to make sure everyone has a good time. So there will be, we'll be working with the players who are participating to see what's on the table. For the event schedule, we have two matches a day. The event each day starts at 10.30 and wraps up at 6.30 with a one-hour break for lunch between matches one and two. We're adults. People have travel concerns, people have kids, family, all of that stuff. I didn't want to be one of the tournaments that starts at 4 in the morning and goes until 10.30 at night, because then everyone's cranky, everyone's tired, everyone's hungry, and wanted to go home a good couple of hours ago. Scenarios are going to be from the official Admiral's Guide. We're not doing homebrew this year. Uh, this It is a official tournament, and we want these events to be replicatable. Last year... We had no shortage of Wisconsin League members just beating their heads against the 
elaborate horror shows I crafted for the tournament. You know, they were great Several scenarios. months. They were great scenarios. <laughs> I, I thought they were brilliant. <laughs> I, I A lot of people really enjoyed them, but y'all only saw the final product. You didn't see the logistics and the whole, hey, Cal, this, uh, you ended up with a 45 assault dice pool. Was this intended or did you have a typo? All the all the fun logistics of balancing and making sure exactly where that comma is supposed to be to make sure you don't imply the wrong thing. I, I loved my scenarios. I'm not going to put my poor admirals through that again, so we're, we're doing it by the book. <laughs> I did well. S- submit them to War Cradle and say, look, official suggestions. I want to see this in the, in the Ghosts of Midwinter campaign. <laughs> yeah. That's what Amber we need submersible. to do. Amber Submersible for uh, The Amber Submersible, I think, was my absolute favorite for gameplay, with the sole exception of during the testing for the Blockade Runner, where you had a secretly mark a boat and sneak it off the other side of the board one person got a a boat off the board and strutted around like he was super duper excited like haha look I have snuck my VIP off and he flips over the boat and that's the wrong boat (laughs) he goes oh no (laughs) 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 absolutely gutted he sent the other guy for the like alright I need to figure out where I put this boat (laughs) okay and that player shall remain nameless as long as Calvin receives. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy not being beat up in the parking lot, so the player <laughs> shall go nameless. <laughs> I think you did name them actually last year. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I live in the present. <laughs> oh, yes, that is, that is hilarious. <laughs> Okay, so official scenarios as and when we go, because we may who knows, we may have some extra new ones by then, who knows, whatever War Cradle got up their sleeves, we don't know yet and now, the raison d'etat why are you doing this? For one there is of course the title of World Champion Dystopian Wars, as this is an officially recognised World Championship but of course there are going to be, shall we say, more material gains, what have you got lined up for them? Once we pay off the room fee and supplies, all the money involved in the tournament is put into the prize pool. So, first place gets three shares of the prize pool, second gets two shares, third gets one one share. If I'm doing my math right, if we have 20 people join, first place should walk away with 250 bucks, a trophy, and an interview here. The finest of dystopian age podcasts. Second place will get two shares of the prize and an award. And third place will get one share and an award as well. Best painted, as voted on by the players, will take an award. And most sporting, as voted on by the players, will also take an award. Just as a thank you for either looking pretty or for being nice. Well, I must admit, when I saw you, you put us as part of the first pass prize. I thought the final's going to be two people trying to lose, so they don't have to talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> And it was, it was it's, it's an honor to be included as, as part of the prize lineup, and we will be nice to the eventual winner, I'm sure. Mostly. Uh... <laughs> the final big question is, of course, if you, if this if this is if you'll pardon the expression, floating your boat, how can they sign up? Where do they need to get in contact with? If you're interested in joining the game, either to get more information, if you're wanting to play in the game, or you want to be a sub 
shoot me a DM. It's the Mad Admiral in most discords that I'm in on. I am relatively distinct, and if you can't find me in there, most people could at least direct you my way. Shoot me a DM, and we can discuss how to get everyone registered and taken care of from there. There you go. That's it. A world, the chance to be world champion, meet the Mad Admiral, enjoy Wisconsin food, and talk to us. What more could you want from a Dystopian Wars tournament? Sign yourselves up as soon as possible, please, guys, because we do think it's going to get filled up already. We know it's already you've already had plenty of interest and some official signs up as well. Get yourself over to Wisconsin. I know it's going to be an international tournament. If you want to participate in the tournament, reach out to me via direct message on Discord. Most, I'm relatively distinct and usually in most conversations. And if you can't find me, most people can send you my way to get that taken care of. As of present, we have 10 slots filled in the tournament with official registrants. We still have 10 more slots to go, plus plenty of spaces for substitutes if that is needed. The other really exciting part about this is we have gotten an official sponsorship for the tournament, and I'm still kind of geeking out about this. Valhalla Hobby has been described as the seat of the Wisconsin League since its inception. The owners have are great friends of mine. They've supported the gaming group and supply plastic to a lot of the U.S. regarding this game. And they've given us two codes for usage. Code MADADMIRAL, no spaces at checkout, gives you 5% off your first order through them and helps support the tournament. If you use the term MAVEL at checkout, it lets Valhalla know that I sent you there and helps also help support the tournament. Their web address is ValhallaHobby.com. So, something we've been promising for quite a while, we are hoping to do community spotlights for people in the community that are prominent, and some of the people from War Cradle Studios themselves have said they'd be happy to take part in them, is a like where we just chat about the hobby in general, not specifically dystopian age, although it's probably going to come up more with the community because obviously if we ask Chris how he uh, found Dystopian Wars it's going to be through Spartan Games and he's probably not going to dive into that too much and we're just going to have like a fairly normal conversation now I said normal conversation it doesn't sound like it's a normal conversation <laughs> yes this is a normal conversation for normal humans this is a normal conversation <laughs> yes just conversing with my fellow human here you said if I answered your questions you would let me go I'm scared quiet you <laughs> oh god <laughs> back to your cage <laughs> didn't take as long to get off topic okay <laughs> So, what got you started in the hobby, Calvin? What drew you into the the wonderful world of tabletop games to begin with? Well, when I was younger, I had a Game Boy Advance SP and a copy of Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, which is this kind of square-based fantasy uh, team combat game. Played that to death, like 200 hours of that cart. And eventually I graduated the D&D and I found out that it was a very similar combat system. Move squares, hit things, level up, so you could hit bigger things. And I realized that 
my gaming group at the time was more focused on the role-playing aspect of it, you know, the, the oration and the interaction. I just wanted to move pieces on the on the board and hit things. And that eventually kind of let me wandering over to Wargaming, which let me move pieces on the board and hit things. What was the first war game you played, do you think? Oh, first war game I ever played. That was a demo of Warhammer, I think, 5th edition. Back at Mall of America, back when there was a GW store. We went to there as a family road trip kind of deal. And my little brother and I got sucked into the brightly colored painted plastic and got a very brief demo. First mini you ever painted. What did you think of it when you'd finished and what do you think of it now if you had it in front of you now? The first mini I ever painted in the official capacity was... I just realized the answer I gave was wrong. I first wanted to get into miniature painting. Walmart had these little plastic toys of Marvel superheroes. They were about maybe 32 millimeter scale and just industrial batch painted. So I did is I took those with my craft paints and my cheap Walmart brushes and I repainted those. I think the first one I ever did was a bullseye figure and it wasn't great. But the actual first wargaming bespoke mini ever painted was uh, Battle for McCrag from Warhammer. I brutalized these poor space marines who had no idea what was coming down the pipes. <laughs> so I- I'm watching the painting tutorials and they're like, oh, if you thin down your paints and do all these coats, like, or I could just slop this stuff on it coats in one. I don't see why we're wasting all this money with water now. Come on. <laughs> It looks like it looked like some of these space marines opened the Ark of the Covenant, but just like for a little bit before shutting it back down. <laughs> yeah, I know that um, when somebody first told me, "Hey, you know, you should be thinning down your paints," and I'm like, "I'm sorry, what now?" But they go on so nicely. Look, look at my um, three layers of paint. Can't see any more detail. Space marine. He looks amazing. <laughs> Look at the color. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. very intense. <laughs> very intense. Um, I don't think we've ever told the story of, of Sam's first miniature, how he primed it. Would you like oh, to divulge that? I don't know. If, I thought we did do that on the thing. I, have still, I still own this miniature. It's upstairs. So I got into Blood Bowl to start with. Mm-hmm. And it was second edition with the polystyrene board. And this is mid-1990s, I think-ish. And the thing we asked, oh, my gaming club was doing, they were painting the board. Now, back in them days, you didn't have colour primers. What you did, you went to your local car place and you bought a can of car paint and you sprayed that. Now, I made several errors of judgment. The first thing was, I did this, obviously I didn't want to get paint everywhere, so I went into the garage that was on my house, which was essentially a, a wooden lean-to, didn't have a car in it. And I forgot to open the doors. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, so I've got a rattle, rattle can of car paint, and I spray that directly onto the polystyrene because I want to do the board first, prime the board first, then do the metal minis. Car paint melts polystyrene. Yep. Yep. Uh, so now I've got car paint fumes and melted polystyrene. <laughs> my pop, my board now looks like the surface of the moon. <laughs> you poor guy. 
Next thing, well, I've now run out of white car paint because I've sprayed it all on my melting board and I've still got all my mod orcs to paint. And I'm like, hmm, what can I use to paint these? Uh, run out of paint. Uh, quite clearly, I'm now off my face <laughs> on fumes. <laughs> and I have the brilliant idea. I'm not, I'm not sure. Did they. Do, I don't know if they call it this, liquid paper, Tipex, is what we have called it back in the yeah, day. Yeah, white out. Yeah, white out, that's the stuff. That'll do, that's white, and you put it on with a brush. Great! Oh, so I no. get one of the wall climbers, and I start painting it with white out to use as primer. <laughs> oh, Funnily enough, that doesn't go on smoothly. <laughs> And uh, then I went into the house and sort of collapsed from the fumes because White yeah. has quite a lot of fumes in it as well. My parents came home to find me clearly in a very <laughs> bad way, and I had to have the talk with my dad about uh, drugs. <laughs> and I was trying to explain, no, I just I just look in the garage. That's what I've done. So Dad had another talk with me about the importance of ventilation. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I still have that metal orc upstairs, still with the Tipex on it. The others I gave up on, I just painted straight onto the bare metal. And you can still see the paint job, it's still there. It's rubbed off in a lot of places, but it's stuck. (laughs) Yeah, I was absolutely off my face. (laughs) I didn't learn because a few weeks later, I did something very similar with super glue in my bedroom, gluing Terminators together. Woof. And I floated down the stairs. Uh, by that, I just sort of keeled over and dived down the <laughs> stairs. Much again, much to the annoyance of my parents. 14-year-old me was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you feel any better. 30-year-old me is dumb as well. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. yeah. In every hobbyist's life... We, we come to a fork in our hobby journey and you go away from the hobby or try and keep the hobby. Um, so what kept you playing tabletop games or what you brought you back to tabletop gaming? I never left. Originally, I was wanting to fit in in a place that wasn't school. We had a little hobby shop back at my old place and I just wanted to fit in with the cool kids who were playing 40k and I taught myself to like the system, I taught myself to like the IP, and I then realized that they weren't the kind of people I wanted to hang out with. When we moved, I lost touch with that old game shop, uh, set up in the area I'm in now, established myself in a couple of local gaming discords, and just found games to play in, and made inroads people who would become my friends, and people who wanted to play games with me back and not just because I was playing what they were playing but because they were interested in enjoying time as another person it's the the short answer is the community I found a place I found friends that I hang out with on the regular and that's that's the main reason I keep going is because I have friends that do this now yeah, community is a, a, a massive part of this hobby. You've got to have a good community and people to play the games with. And like you say, it's not it's not about the system. It's not about the buying all the cool new toys for certain systems. It is about the people you play with and, and 
spending the time and enjoying. Yeah, because well, that was the aha moment. Was the whole back at my old at the old shop was I'm sitting at break. I'm going through the thing and I'm realizing, let's make it three more Bane blades. I'm not going to be able to play against this guy. You know, this two hundred dollar model kit. I need three of those in order to like even be considered as an option. I go, oh, this is problematic. I don't need to be doing this anymore. <laughs> and you know, I now we're here where we're trying new games and we're beating people and we're just having fun as friends and the games happen to be a means to an end. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally, totally with that. I'm not ever gonna spend well, not in one go, hundreds of pounds on models over a period of time maybe uh, <laughs> yeah I just want to have I just want to play and have fun I don't want to be that meta competitive guy with the you know oh I've got the latest stuff and all that I just want to turn up have fun win or lose have a laugh and go home exactly what's your favourite gaming moment what's that standout one that you just look back on and laugh your head off at or smile what, what, what's it sticks in your memory of a moment I'm going to come off as incredibly conceited, but shooting Stuart the Hail Mary message, inviting him to my tournament, just back for Mabel 23, this was just the Wisconsin League doing a tournament, and it was exciting. It's like, you know what? It's like shooting the president or the queen or whoever an invite to your wedding. They're going to say no, but sometimes it works. And then I got a message back saying, yes, we're interested, and I made a noise audible only to small dogs to the point where my beloved wife comes running in the room to see what happened. <laughs> and I remember just being just blown away that, you know, the, the devs for the game that I'm war hosting the games that we're playing is coming from across the pond to see what this group of Wisconsinites are doing to his perfectly fine game system. <laughs> They're, they are absolute legends for that sort of interaction. Um, I've, you know, you've struggled to find a company so willing to do that, but they are—they are gentlemen for, and they are great people to meet as well. What is a hobby hack that you believe everybody should know? All hobby materials are non-toxic. You are just being a baby about it. <laughs> <laughs> you just need the proper equipment and ventilation. <laughs> yes if uh... the, the I guess the aha moment is that models can be repainted is this the realization that if you really do a bad job on a paint job you could just take the paint off you know 30 minutes of isopropyl alcohol if it's metal throwing it in um, acetone and then you try again if you're not happy with what you have it's not, you know, etched in stone. You can try it again. And that was that was a big, oh, duh, moment when I realized that. I encouraged Sam to start painting again because he was a little bit... Um, reluctant. Yeah, reluctant to paint just yeah. because of, like, the way he'd been treated previously with his, his painting. And I was just... Exactly what you sort of said, like, it's, it's not the end, just you know put a color on and see how it looks and then just keep going and you're done I, i'm guilty of it sometimes i've i've done 
things where I had a I had a Skaven screaming bell from when it was first re-released in plastics in 2009, 10, and I, I never put it together and I never painted it. So I, I was so nervous about doing it. And then I, I just suddenly realized, like you say, that light bulb moment of it, it, it doesn't matter if I make a mess of it, I could just scrub it, start again. No one's going to like come around my house from Games Workshop and like cut off a hand because I didn't paint it properly. It's... Um, it's fine, everybody. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> what mini have you painted that you're most proud of? You're like, I've done a good job on this model. Which one is it? I paint Reaper Miniatures has a nativity set in their pewter, and I painted an entire nativity set for my mother-in-law and swung so far out of my weight class, it was a Christmas miracle. Through some kind of intervention, I painted pro. Like, we had three layers of highlights, you know, we had eyes painted, whole nine yards, got it rattle can clear-coated, nothing clouded up, we got, like, proper basing on this stuff, and I was inconsolably happy with how that stuff turned out. I sent it to Ma as a Christmas gift, and she started crying when she received it. Wow, I've just googled that. That's nice! Nice-looking models! I was like, when he said that, I thought, oh, is it going to be like orcs doing the nativity? No, it's a proper nativity. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Reaper is a really, really good company. They used to have a couple of, mo- of game lines, but mostly they just make models that are cool to paint that you could use for anything. It's a free country and they can't stop you. But it's not a, oh, here's the ultramarine captain. He needs to have this, this, or this. It's like, hey, it's a minotaur. He's got a chainsaw and a hockey mask. Cool. Paint him up. It looks cool. Um, and the nativity set was one of those sets where it's, you know, you 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 could make a war game out of that. I would gently caution against that. But no. <laughs> <laughs> we do not condone that sort of thing here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So just swung way out of my weight class painting this, and I, I still smile when I see the uh, pictures roll past my memory feed. Really happy how that turned out. That's awesome. And I, even better that it was a gift for somebody else that they can enjoy that amazing paint job. What IP would you love to see at some sort of tabletop game, whether it's a board game or a war game? You know, that, that TV program or whatever that's never been... No one's ever grasped the horns and made it into a game. What would you use? Uh, there was a PC game for a while, Guns of Icarus. It's a kind of a lighter-than-air blimp steampunky combat. I think that could be a really, really cool war game if you dial it back from fleet combat to two to three ships per person, where it's more focused on worker placement and power routing. You know, you're, you always see in the movies, like, oh, we got to divert all power from the thrusters to the shield generator. You know, I, I want to do that on the table. You know, we, we only have so much steam to make this stuff work, so we're going to allocate stuff from here to here to here. And I think that could be neat. Oh, I like that. That's a cool yeah. idea. Yeah, that sounds really good. Sort of a... Skirmish-based ship games are wildly underserved in a market. 
you, you usually don't have just two capital ships bumping into each other in the middle of nowhere and just start trading shots. But if you agnosticize it back out to like a fantasy setting where, sure, theoretically, a couple of blimps could beat and engage in fire. I, I, I think there's an interesting thing there because you get more granular with each individual model on the board. What is a hobby tool that you couldn't live without? Gotta go with the classic super glue. It's useful if something needs to be stuck model-wise, whether it's resin, pewter, plastic, or anything else. Super glue works. Super glue is cheap. It's accessible. You can use it to close bleeding wounds. You can use it to fix stuff around the house, and you can use it for your wargaming. Absolute super glue camp all day. Yeah, super glue gel is a game changer for me. Like when I discovered they did the gel form, yep, and it set so much quicker. Like all of the glue pretty much went out the window, apart from plastic glue for war cradle stuff generally and uh, Malifaux stuff, but. Yeah, yeah. I, I love super glue gel because I'm at, I'm at least nine times less likely to glue myself to something with it because the amount of times it just ran and ruined everything and then attached me to the bubble with regular super glue. So gel was like, this is brilliant. It stays where I put it. <laughs> and it's no longer the late '60s, so you know the fumes aren't going to make you fall down the stairs, Sam. <laughs> late '60s. <laughs> <laughs> We had a pop to a uh, yield auto parts store in our old Studebaker. <laughs> 23 Skidoo says I got a uh, rail can primer for you. <laughs> I'm born in 74. Okay, granddad. Let's let's get you back to bed. Yeah, get your medicine. Yeah, you're born. <laughs> I say. If I was a yard, we didn't have any of this. We had to guess a number. We weren't allowed dice. <laughs> we weren't allowed dice because we needed them for the war. All <laughs> 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 well, the dice were hanging up in RAF cockpits for lucky charms. That's what they were. One of the running jokes that is brought up on the regular, because I am a hilarious person, I will beat a joke to death until it goes, um, about scale con- conversation is, oh, 28 mil or 32 mil, I was like, nah man, zero millimeter. You roll up to a game shop, you set up some terrain, you glare at the table for a couple minutes, roll dice, make upset noises, shake your head, pack it up, and walk away without a second word. <laughs> theater of the mind lets people know who's in charge around here. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> oh, I should see the painting. <laughs> this one, a golden demon, and why aren't you, like, praising me? <laughs> Look at the scale. Amazing. Are you a terrain scratch builder, or would you prefer to buy your terrain? My heart says scratch build. My time allotment says buy. My wallet says use what's at the store. Yep, I know that feeling. (laughs) For Mavel, we've got, I think, a dozen lads on terrain crafting, and we're we are going to trank this stuff out in industrial quantities. So the the game stores will be relatively well-stocked after 
medieval 24. Yeah, it, was, uh, it would be great if we could find somebody who would uh, willingly scratch build some stuff for us because, well, as you know, Sam is dangerous, so yep. that's a bad idea. No um, sharp objects. No dull objects, for being honest, but definitely where the sharp. Hey, um, I've played games where bananas and fruit were the terrain. <laughs> that worked. Cereal boxes, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, that's some of the most fun is um, Floor Hammer, where it's, you know, whatever whatever items couldn't run away fast enough and we're just playing here because I want to play the game but I don't want to drop $195 on terrain. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any gaming rituals or superstitions? Has it got to be that dice set or anything like that? I've got two. I am a big advocate for punishing your dice. There was a fair bit of conversation for a while, but after a particularly bad showing, the entirety of my action dice from War Cradle got put in the freezer for a month. It's like, great. <laughs> if you want to misbehave, then we're collectively punishing. We're not, we're, not, we're not playing these games until you learn your lesson. And after a month of in the freezer, they started rolling significantly better. So they haven't had to go back in. The, the other gaming uh, superstition I do is... Uh, just like a quick hand wave at the wrist whenever a person's starting to roll. Not like, not interact with or touching a bus, just. I, this is a an Jedi audio hand meeting. wave, just. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'm doing the wave hand right now, and I realize that y'all can't see this. <laughs> um, but while they're rolling, while the dice is tumbling, I'll do the hand wave. And, um, you know, just to try to alter the thing in case I've got some kind of latent power. It's got to the point where the other players have started hand-waving it back. So we've we've paused the game for a good two minutes just waving back and forth over the dice. It's, it's, it's really funny when it works. Where it's like, alright, uh, roll dice, hand-wave, critical miss. Awesome. Dots, Scott's dice are so badly behaved, I've, I've started to start accusing him of swapping them with my dice. And he's not getting decent rolls. Yeah, I had to spill goat's blood to get mine to roll properly. <laughs> when painting, do you have a consistent colour scheme that you'll use, or and why? Or are you, as it comes, let's let's paint this this squadron, this colour, this squadron, another colour, and so on. When I'm playing a game, I like to have all my models be cohesive, and I find myself usually skewing back to a pavement black from Apple Barrel paint which is this lovely kind of lighter black it's matte finish it it goes over everything and looks really nice and usually accenting that with either a khaki or a bone color and it's i it, it got to the point where most of my models were that color and i asked my beloved wife like hey here's my paint box pick three paint in there and i will paint something just to get out of the black, white, and beige color rut. So I've gotten some funky colored wizards of eye-watering color palettes and it's nice to break it up every so often. One thing you'd like to banish to hobby purgatory. Get thee hence to the sin bin. Never have to put up with that again. Two-part answer. One is that smaller scale systems like 10 millimeter, 6 millimeter, 15 millimeter are only good for larger scale battles and unable to be painted well. I've, outside of dystopian wars, the only 
real scale I play in is 15 mil. And it's brilliant for many reasons, but you can, there's so much detail still packed into something that small, and I don't need to mortgage a liver to get a squad. There was a time when that scale was mostly just for Napoleonics, and everyone remembers seeing the Duncan Tester's paint and two white stripes on the chess piece. It's like, there, it's a Frenchman. And that kind of prejudice has really kind of come forward to modern systems where some smaller scale maze will just be dismissed out of hand. And I think that's a real shame. The other one is non-consensual hobby advice. Someone's painted up a model and it, you know, they're excited about it, they're nervous, they post it up, and then someone offers, even if it's coming from a good place, oh, you should have done this. Or, oh, if you did this, it'd look even better. You know, that... And even if it's coming from a good place, like, hey, you missed these rivets, or hey, I think you should have done this, but they didn't for a reason, and that reason is valid, even if it's not the reason you would have. You know, they didn't chase the micro-fine wires on this model because they don't have a brush small enough, or their hands shake, and that's... Every model is worthy of praise because someone took the time to put paint on the model and to post that stuff online. And offering your two cents when it's not asked for is, even if coming from a good place, can do a lot of damage. That, that is a personal pet peeve of mine. Yeah, absolutely. If if they put on their comments and criticism welcome or something or comments and advice, that's all fine. day. Yeah, absolutely. If I just said, "Here's my stuff," that, I, t- I just want you to go click like. That's all I want. Exactly. <laughs> Or it's when you, someone's watching you play. Or what you need to do is you need yep. to have got your, mo- your them troops over there. That's what they're for. So just let me play the game. Yep. No backseat armchair generals. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Who would you like to play a tabletop game with, and what would it be? So anybody, history, famous people, member of family, doesn't matter. Pick anybody you like. Honestly, the both of you two. Y'all have been great since day one, uh, since we started interacting on the Discord. You guys have been absolute menches for the longest time. That being said, I would also like to break you over my knee and treat you how Wisconsinites play this boat game. (laughs) That's very Um, kind, and it would also be very easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we so many rules we forget. When we come back, we're like, did we do that right? No, we didn't do that right. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> did we have fun? Yeah, we can. That's that's the important thing. Yeah, we come out and just like half the if we sit down after a game, we go, we did that wrong, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Never. <laughs> We'd never survive in tournament. Exactly. There's a time and a place to excoriate over the rules. You know, every minutia perfect because you know if you're in a tournament, that's what you're here for. You're here for the high level play. If you're here just to play a game with your buddy a rule gets forgotten there's no one who is out if everyone still had a good time that's the important thing yep 100% so, gaming snacks what's coming onto Calvin's table when he's playing a game he's gotta have that big plate of absolutely nothing I take great care to eat before an event because I, I don't want to risk I, I am 
six and a half feet tall and have been described as violently uncoordinated. So I don't want to uh, tip over someone's Mountain Dew onto their perfectly fine Warhammer army or get Cheeto dust on something that someone painted. So if you're looking for pre-game snacks, usually uh, some kind of meat, uh, cured meat product, or um, I, I do have a profound weakness for uh, cheese crackers. <laughs> I fully sympathize with the uh, clumsy. I'm a good foot shorter than you, but just as clumsy. And the look of terror that Scott has when I look at pick his models up to have a look at them is <laughs> always amusing. I make a big point of putting my, folding my hands behind my back, holding onto my, each of my wrists and just getting down close to the table so I don't pick anything up. <laughs> I even managed to break one of my own miniatures rolling dice once. The dice went so took the head off one of my own models. Well, Exodus game, wasn't it? I was like, oh, great. <laughs> so, yeah. I have taken to just looking at my phone while Sam's looking at my models, so I'm not like... <laughs> it's it's like getting a shot. Like, if you don't look, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's like, if, if he drops it and I'm not looking, it's fine. It can be glued back together. But the... uh, to be fair, I've no, I don't think I've ever broke one of your models, just me own. Or um, have I? Give no, it time. I don't but... think you have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and food at the food at the table when we play, we usually have the food at a different table so we don't get anything over the models. Smart. So I'm going to put this to everybody because I think this is probably going to be the most controversial question we ask anybody as part of this. But um, for me, M and M's are the best gaming snap. They're hard shelled. Uh, the colour doesn't rub onto your fingers easily. They're delicious, so you can't lose. Yeah, I, I'm just making sure M and M's are the same thing across both sides of the pond. Chocolate, chocolate little buttons. Yes, those are yes. very good. If you want to get crazy with it, I'd usually mix them with uh, Reese's Pieces, so there's a flavour difference. Nice. But it's the same same kind of concept, just different filling. Yeah, I like that idea. Uh, I'm doing that next time. Then what you do is you bring that to a family gathering, you add Skittles without telling anyone. (laughs) I was just going to say, I would swap M&M's for Skittles because I prefer fruit flavours to chocolate, but they're they're exactly the same. They're hard-shelled, you can't can't get them, you know, they don't make a mess, but I I prefer fruit flavours. So I'd I'd go with Skittles. I'm sure many people have told me that I'm wrong, but that's fine. Is there a particular theme that draws you to a faction or miniature range when you're looking at new games or when you're looking at um, something you want to play? Aesthetics-wise, like for sculpting, brutalism is the fastest way to my heart. I just love the aesthetics of a, you know, a angular and blocky thing on the table where it looks heavy, it looks scary. As for miniatures range and faction... I am profoundly boring. I don't need all the bells and the whistles and the special rules. That's that's why I play Commonwealth, is I don't need 15 different special rules. My boats are just objectively better than yours. Be, on, on their own merits. You know, they're, they're good at what they do because they have that baked in, rather than 45 different special rules and all these interactions. I sail forward, I shoot things, and then we go from there. I was just going to say, yeah, when you said about brutalism, that's one of... When you look at the Commonwealth boats, they are big blocks of iron yep. coming at you. Nice and straightforward to paint, and you can get as clever with them as you like with the with the weathering effects and so on, but they are 
lovely boat, lovely blocks of boat to look at. And as you said, the rules on rules on the Commonwealth are probably the most straightforward in the game. Sail forward, shoot, soak up the punishment, repeat. Exactly. Nice and simple and straightforward. What do you believe is the most underrated game system of all time? There is a little indie publisher named Brett Spivey. He made a war game called The Battlefield, and it is absolute gangbusters with friends. The idea was to take the Battlefield style of video games, you know, infantry-based with vehicle assets, and turn that onto a tabletop game. The mechanics are very simple, while providing plenty of depth. There's plenty of interesting rules interaction. There's plenty of loadout building, which is honestly my, my favorite part of any wargaming is customizing my little toy soldiers. And it scales up to 16 players without suffering overly much. It, it could, as the player count goes up, the amount of people you control goes down. But Eight players, four persons on a team, each person controlling a single squad is way more fun than it has any right to be. It's just a it's just a great system, and it's a shame I can't get more people to try it. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a shame sometimes when you get find these really great systems is you're like, I want everybody to play this with me, but convincing them to do so is the oh, is the tricky part. Well, because yeah. it feels like homework at a certain point. Either you're having to step back to be the the judge and the storyteller and not play the game you want to play or you're assigning people homework which feels gross in the adult stage of your life where people have everything else and they're playing games to relax yep yep definitely uh, definitely feel that i'm quite tempted to try um tanks for the apocalypse i think it is Ooh, that's a fun one i've uh I've had that one. A sh- I've gave that one a shot. I, I enjoyed my time with that. Yeah, I'm quite tempted by that. Convincing people to play it, and because it's quite a high player count as well. Sure. I think it could be a lot of fun, but um, I'm not sure I'd be able to convince everybody. But it's good to hear it's good. Like that, that's pushed me forwards on it a little bit more. Mm. So, what is your favourite game system of all time? If we're going off amount of plays, it would have to be Nuts 4th Edition by Two Hour War Games. I ran into this game about a year before the pandemic really kicked off. It's a squad-based World War II game that shows that not every historical needs to be a bolt-action derivative. It's a game that focuses a lot more on the narrative of the game. That it's not just, here's Squad A. No, it's Squad A who's made of John Baker's this, this, this guy. Everyone has their own story here. And the coolest two things they did was, one, it had a... You were able to play against the game itself. It wasn't just a move your opponent piece as close as possible and shoot. There was like a system of tables that would guide how an opponent would go if there wasn't a person to play against. So when the pandemic hit, it was great because I could still get my wargaming fix in without needing someone on the other side of the table. It also had an interesting dice mechanic that wasn't just roll above a number. It was, you had a stat based from 2 to 6 and anything under a given stat would provide nesting effects. So of the two dice I rolled, two were above the target, were below the target number, 
this is what happens, and then your opponent can react. So it wasn't just a I go, you go. It was I go, you respond to me going, you go, I respond to you going. In this really interesting back and forth that doesn't sound as cumbersome as I'm rambling about. That was a game I had plenty of play into. I've bullied plenty of friends into playing it. And it also was the launching point for when I was developing my own games, is I really liked that system, and the war game I was developing happened because not the original game Nuts fell apart under all the house rules and the tweakings I made to it. So I was like, well, now it's its own system, let's keep running with this. Interesting. So do you still play that now, or...? Not as often. I was on a big World War II kick back, again, in the before times. I still tool around with with my own personal project with it, but I don't get nuts to table as often as I used to. That's really interesting. I I think a lot of people do find that sometimes when they get that good game that they love so much, but then they, they, they tweak it ever so slightly, and then it starts to do sort of snowball a little into their own little project. I know myself and Sam have done something similar recently, so... I keep threatening to develop dystopian age dating simulator down bad with a mad ad. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Mrs. Borodino? <laughs> 10 out of 10 would play. <laughs> Getting naughty, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> it's a great tagline. Hey, I, I've heard a lot worse. <laughs> From me, <Yeah>. honestly. <laughs> you should hear some of the ones I've come up with. <laughs> uh, what's your favourite miniature of all time that, you've, that you either own or you've seen someone else and you just think, damn, that looks good. I'll send you all the picture for this to put on the Facebook page. Played a game for a while called Star Breach, made by one of my friends. It's kind of minis agnostic skirmish game. And there is a intellectually distinct and legally defensible Judge Dread adjacent faction in there. So I made, um, from a just raided my bits box, taught myself how to sculpt green stuff, and I made major occupational Hazard. Kit bashed him from a bunch of old Warhammer stuff, a bunch of old bits and bobs I had knocking around, and I made him the HQ of my squad, and I was incredibly thrilled about how he turned out. Yeah, the torso is predominantly green stuff. That was a bolter from Primaris Lieutenant. Legs, I think, were from a Scout Marine, and everything south of the gauntlet on his bat arm was green stuff. Wow. That's impressive. Thank that you. That is an impressive model. It really is. Oh, uh, sorry. The, the barbed wire is Army Painter barbed wire. I'm not that good. But uh, <laughs> I'm incredibly thrilled how he turned out. Yeah, that's very cool. I will stick him on the Facebook page so people can see him for certain because he's cool. Has he got a name? Um, name? His name is Major Hazard and his like nickname is Occupational. what tabletop game do you think would make a great movie or tv show i'm biased here but i think a game of thrones style show of dystopian wars showing the juxtaposition between the highest powers that be and local admiral in charge of the area as well as 
you know, the the plight of the unnamed sailor. You know, where you know, the czar says we're gonna do X, Y, and Z, and it trickles down to the person who's in charge of that theater of operations, who has to interpret these rules made by people thousands of miles away and unaware of what needs to be done to secure that victory. And then juxtapose the political infight that goes place at all of those levels. You know, it's not just the czar trading, you know, diplomatic punches with the sultan. It's, you know, what does the Commonwealth Admiral think about the uh, Union person who he finds himself on the other side of the sea against kind of thing? You know, is there a camaraderie there? Not a camaraderie, but like a mutual respect is, you know, do they just hate each other? Showing the interactions between the halls of power, I think, could be a very interesting biopic. Right down to the gunners on the ship. Exactly. And the, and the, you know, why are we here? I don't know. Just shoot. <laughs> we're over here because they're over there and they shouldn't be there. Well, but we're not supposed to be here. That's a different problem for a different day. They don't need to be here. Uh, ours is not to reason why. Ours is but to do or die. What's your opinion on 3D printing? Is it the future or is it just a... Uh... Thing, a passing phase. I absolutely think it is the way of the future. There is always going to be a market for plastic and resin from official companies. Just not everyone has access to the 3D printing, but there's always going to be a niche that exists for, you know, from the fans for models that just don't have a model for or different looking models so that my Primaris Marine looks different from your Primaris Marine. Fortunately or unfortunately, that's the way it is right now, is you can get your official plastic Warhammer for this much or talk to your buddy with a printer and get an entire squadron of these guys for half that. And whether it's first party stuff, you know, Wargame Company sells the STLs for a price or third-party, intellectually defensible stuff, I absolutely think 3D printing is the way of the future. Interesting. I, I think right now it is probably best used for like accessory bits and things like that because whilst the miniatures are really nice, like first-party sellers being able to lock down their STLs and not just giving them to other people for free is a lot more difficult at the minute. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not saying it's a perfect thing there's going to be growing pains there's going to be frustrations involved you know there's no perfect rollout beyond just making it work but i absolutely believe the two can share a space not necessarily amicably but just share a space and it's not going to put one company out over the other there's always going to be a demand for first party plastic just because again not everyone has that printer not everyone has that buddy you can bully into printing you stuff yeah, I think once that little hurdle is is done and, and they figure that out, then more than likely we will start seeing more companies selling STLs for things. And I know Mantic are doing, like they do a vault subscription. Yeah. Where they, they, they lock it down that way, but it can still be shared. Yeah. I'd like to see terrain, you know, STLs for terrain that you can print. Oh, Absolutely. Then you've got the official miniature line, and you've got the terrains, as, some nice terrains as well. The thing that always interests me is the whole 
the desire for uniqueness, there are certain models that just don't exist anymore. You know, the back in, again, I'm going to 40k because that's all I can think of at the moment. They had Kazargan, which were these uh, Imperial stormtroopers in their carapace armor, and they were the coolest thing ever. They were only available as metal models that unfortunately sucked. Uh, I think they're back in plastic now, but that was a good 10-year gulf from launch to them getting thrown away that you just couldn't get those anymore because there wasn't any in circulation. But there's still rules for them. So either you have to go to eBay and pay a small kidney to get a squad that requires a lot of work, or you could bully your local buddy who to print some off for you. You know, there's people who are going to fill in the gaps wherever those gaps may be, whether it's, you know, accessorizing or supplying models that just don't, that don't exist. So final question. What project are you working on at the moment? Oh, what could that be? (laughs) (laughs) Getting Mabel 24 squared away and functional, as I'm sure you gathered. As for hobby desk stuff, I've got some 50mm soldiers I'm painting up before I'm getting back into boat painting. I have been affectionately bullied by some of my admirals that I don't have enough painted stuff, and I, I'm working on getting back into the swing of things for boats. I've got the Aaron Go Burr to get finished up, and then I'm going to start on the Richter, the Fist of the Norse Czar. That's a great name. Oh, I have so many boat names like I, I i was trying to find a way to throw these in and if you if you don't mind humoring me for a second i can list these off real fast we have the first bordino i painted was the frost daddy the pakistan equivalent that's painted in different colors and named after my wife is the aaron go burr the richter is fist of the norse czar my aircraft carrier is the Insinkable 3. The Alexiev, I haven't gotten painted or assembled yet, is going to be the Grand Maiden of Girth. And then one more Borodino is going to be called Cirrhosis of the River. <laughs> oh, God. I've got three other Borodinos that haven't gotten named yet, so we've got plenty of room in the design space. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, they're fantastic names. Right, so that is all 21 questions. Hopefully this was interesting for everybody to listen to and we'll be doing more in the future. So thanks for participating and being a guinea pig, Kelvin. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure to be on. It's always a pleasure to be on, guys. Thanks for having me on. And don't forget to check out ValhallaHobby.com and use promo code MADADMIRAL or MAVEL to uh, show some support for the game and get some money off your order. Absolutely. Go in check out Valhalla Hobbies and don't forget to message Kelvin there's only 10 spaces left or get yourself in the reserve list for uh, Mayville 2024 and then they said 2023 that would have been wrong it's about coming together as a community meeting each other on field of battle coming together and throwing our previous champion into the pool that's 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 the main goal here always a pleasure to be on guys thank you so much for having me <laughs> Thank you for coming again, Calvin. We appreciate you, and hopefully Mavo 2024 is a massive success, and along the way it continue. So uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and we will catch you in the next one. Happy trails, pilgrims. 
File number Magna Notitia 3202101. File closed. Agent Markov remains at large. point is Scott editing me together to sound coherent and well-spoken and thought out and not just babbling incoherently and we should be fine. Well, he's had enough practice with me, so I think we should be fine. <laughs> yeah. We'll be fine, don't worry. It'll be, it'll be good. I just need you to say the words, I love the Markov dossier and we're good. I'm the Mad Admiral Kelvin and I love the Markov dossier. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So there will be an hour and a half of that repeating. <laughs> All hail Hypnotoad. <laughs>